When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SCP-4877 Good Airwaves Belief is an interesting phenomenon in the SCP universe. There are anomalies that harm you if you don't believe in something, anomalies that harm you if you do, anomalies that come into existence because of beliefs or can die just as easily. Unlike in real life, belief in the SCP universe can have very real, tangible effects, often the difference between life and death. Today's SCP has to do with belief and the power of one's convictions, where a lack of a strong enough faith could easily lead to a gruesome death. SCP-4877 is a phenomenon which can reduce the force of gravity that is applied to an individual during freefall. The exact circumstances needed to trigger this phenomenon are not well understood, but initial research suggests that it can be triggered by any individual. They must be in freefall, they must be consciously attempting to trigger the effect, and they must close their eyes. It's believed that there are additional requirements, both physical and mental, that must be fulfilled prior to a successful triggering of the effect. Due to the lack of concrete resources regarding it, however, the Foundation has been unable to confirm the exact steps necessary. SCP-4877 was first brought to the Foundation's attention following the posting of a video to YouTube, which gained approximately 30,000 views in under an hour. The video starts with a black screen and a caption reading, Flight Classes, Final Exam. The footage begins with a boy standing on a cliff's edge overlooking the sea. The boy is in his late teens, with long black hair and a slim frame, and several young men and women are on the edge of the camera frame talking to one another, with more lingering off screen. The wind flapping against the microphone drowns out all other sounds. A bald man in his mid-forties then enters the frame, wearing a Hawaiian shirt and sweatpants. The man approaches and places his hands on the boy's shoulder, with the two exchanging words that are drowned out by the wind. Thirty seconds later, the man smiles, pats the boy's back, and exits the frame. The camera then pans over the edge of the cliff, showing waves crashing against the rocks jutting out of the water, before panning back to the boy. The boy then runs and leaps off the cliff, plummeting downwards before being impaled on the rocks below. The camera pans back to the audience gathered at the edge of the cliff as they begin to applaud, although their expressions remain neutral. The footage cuts to black, with another caption reading, Join One Leap Today. The video was taken down by YouTube soon after gaining popularity due to violating its community guidelines. 
The situation on the video was not initially marked as anomalous, but due to the strange behavior demonstrated, an investigation was conducted by junior researcher Abigail Lynn. Lynn identified the location of the video to be the southern edge of the Cliffs of Moher in Ireland. After determining that the cliff is approximately 120 meters tall, Lynn noted that the boy's fall lasted almost a second longer than it should have. Following the formal designation of the phenomenon in the video as SCP-4877, Lynn identified the boy as 17-year-old Aston Kucher. Irish law enforcement confirmed that Kucher had indeed died during the incident, although additional details regarding the events shown in the video were not disclosed to law enforcement officials to guarantee that they would not interfere in a Foundation investigation. Lynn also identified the bald man who spoke to Kucher as Rainbow, birth name Dennis Friedman, and after obtaining his address and contact information, Lynn volunteered to interview Rainbow under the guise of a civilian seeking to learn about One Leap. The two met in a coffee shop, and as Lynn approaches the seated Rainbow, he turns to face her but appears to look past her. After introducing herself as Catherine, Rainbow tells her, good airwaves. When she asks if she can sit down, he responds that she can vibe out however she likes, sitting, standing, jumping jacks, just let herself be comfortable, before saying good airwaves again. Lynn sits down, but Rainbow does not make eye contact with her. She tells him that she saw that video they posted a week ago and got interested, but she's still not totally sure what they do. Rainbow tells her that there's no use in doing things, and they're all about feeling things, like good airwaves. Lynn says that she's not sure she follows, but Rainbow says that that's the sound of someone thinking with their head instead of the internal dioxaline receptors. He then takes a pen from his shirt pocket and scribbles an address and a time on a napkin. When he finishes, he makes eye contact with Lynn for the first time and tells her to leap before she looks and good airwaves. He then stands up and staggers out of the coffee shop. Due to the lack of information gathered by the interview, the project lead decided that an investigation would be formed to infiltrate the One Leap group and gather information. Usual protocol dictates that a field agent would be selected for such extended field work, but Lynn was chosen due to her expected presence by Rainbow. With that, were provided nine field reports submitted by researcher Lynn during her investigation of One Leap. In the first report, she says that she just finished the first meeting, and she'll have to describe what happened from memory since she forgot to bring a notebook or microphone due to her inexperience with fieldwork. They met in a back room at a rundown community center, and she thinks that someone brought snacks. She compares it to how her dad described his Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, except everyone was quieter. She thinks there were maybe close to 20 people there, and she regrets not talking to the others before Rainbow eventually arrived. When the meeting started, they all sat around in a circle on the ground, 
except for Rainbow who sat in a folding chair. He started by reading something out of this little notebook he kept in his shirt pocket, but she was too nervous and doesn't remember what he said. She didn't forget her alias though, as Rainbow had all of the new people stand up and introduce themselves. She thinks that the others thought her stutter was from nerves rather than trying to remember the right name. There was another new girl though, named Olivia. She then apologizes and says that she'll make sure she's more thorough with her next report. For the next meeting, she took notes, but was too scared to wear the microphone in case one of the other members saw it. There were 12 other people at this meeting, most of them in their 20s or 30s, but one woman must have been in her late 60s. Today they had a special lecture meeting, with some of the others calling Rainbow Professor R, treating this like a night school. Instead of sitting in a circle, they gathered on the ground in front of Rainbow, who talked for almost an hour, occasionally using a handheld whiteboard he brought along. The structure of the speech felt like a lecture, peppered with examples and cited reading, but it sounded more like a sermon. Lynn was the only one taking notes, and she doesn't know if it was allowed or not, but she didn't want to get yelled at, so she sat in the back. She then includes some quotes from the lecture, such as, The internet, man. Stay off the internet. All the little blinky lights on screen are out to get you. You used to be able to tell what's real and what's got no soul behind it, but not anymore. All I get are bad airwaves now. You can see the strings on the fakes out there. They're all tangled and looking at their lower selves. Don't want to get mixed up with vibes that are tied down. Filters are just what people in denial call lies. As the Wright brothers once said, in unison, the singularity will consume us before the century is out. They really should be given more credit for that quote. Bad airwaves, man. The sky is full of them. Now the air's polluted with mechatronic signals and blue colors, all because the machines learned to fly before we did. In her third field report, Lynn says that she didn't wear the microphone again because every way she puts it on, she swears that it isn't hidden well enough. This meeting was more of an open discussion, although she didn't contribute. The other new girl, Olivia, didn't say anything either, so it's probably not a big deal. At the end of the meeting though, Rainbow declared that they were going to the runway this weekend, as Margaret, the 60-year-old woman, will apparently be taking her final exam. She's going to go to Rainbow's house before the exam, and then meet with the others around 2pm. Lynn doesn't know how she feels about this, although Margaret is obviously excited about it. She's going to watch either way. After the meeting, Lynn finally spoke to Olivia, getting her phone number in the process. She might try and do an interview with her soon, as it would be too bad if she ran away after seeing the final exam. Some other choice quotes from the meeting are included here, such as, 
birds are evidence that time does not move at one second per second for everyone. How else could they have evolved so much faster than us? In the fourth field report, Lynn says that she managed to meet with Olivia for coffee, and she even wore the microphone this time. During the conversation, Lynn asks her when she's planning to graduate, to which she says that she was supposed to graduate in two years, but she failed out of one of her courses, so it's looking more like three. That's part of why she joined One Leap, as she was sort of at her wit's end with stuff. Usually these steps to success programs are all BS, but she says that sometimes you just need to give the BS a try. Lynn asks her how she heard about One Leap, and apparently they've been putting up posters all over her campus. Olivia asks her why she joined up, to which Lynn mentions the video on YouTube, but Olivia says not how she heard about it, but why she joined. Lynn just says that she thought it would be good for her, to which Olivia remarks that she's more used to asking questions than answering them. Lynn admits that she's a researcher, so she does a bit of both. Olivia interprets this as meaning that she's here looking for answers, personal answers, answers to questions about herself. She then remarks that she's starting to sound like Rainbow a bit before laughing and changing the topic. The fifth field report comes after the final exam of the cliffs, and Lynn says that when she studied the YouTube video, she watched it about a hundred times, just to measure the exact moment that kid's body hit the rocks for her calculations. She thought she braced herself for seeing it in person, but she can't believe how naive she is. They all met up at the cliffs and waited around for a bit before Rainbow and Margaret arrived. No one really said anything, and it was windy and cloudy. When the two arrived, everyone gathered at the cliff's edge. Olivia asked her a few times what was happening, but Lynn just shrugged. Everything from there on played out like the video, except Margaret more hobbled than ran. Lynn says that watching her fall felt wrong. Not dreadful, but just wrong. She didn't scream as she fell, and it felt like it took forever. There's a good chance she fell for longer than the boy did in the video, probably around 15 seconds, but it felt longer. After she hit the ground, Rainbow declared that she received a C in the course, and that's when the applause started. Lynn can't express how she felt about the applause, although both she and Olivia clapped as well. She guesses that there was something respectable about it all, as Margaret went out on her own terms, and that deserves some recognition. In the sixth report, Lynn says that Olivia came back to the meetings this week, not looking phased in the slightest. No one else acknowledged that they just watched an old woman die the other day, so perhaps there's some sort of mimetic suppression going on. Lynn doesn't think so, though because she can say for certain that she felt uneasy, and she doesn't know why she would be an exception. Olivia, however, looked like she felt more at ease, perhaps, maybe even happy, speaking up in the meeting more than before. 
strange behaviors aside, they spent today talking about bonds, all different kinds of bonds. Lynn herself spoke up today as well, although she's not entirely sure why. Maybe she was paranoid that the others would notice something strange about her, but what she said felt natural, like she wasn't forcing it at all. Some of the quotes included in the report mention bonds, such as doing jumping jacks to keep the bonds loose, and that one leap attracts our ideal bond brothers and sisters together. A couple of days later, in the next report, Lynn catches back up with Olivia for another one-on-one chat. She wanted to know why Olivia seemed so calm in the last meeting. Lynn has seen some terrible things in her time at the Foundation, so she's chalking up her numbness to that, but she can't explain Olivia. Olivia asks if these coffee trips are going to become a weekly thing, because she wouldn't mind that. She says that Lynn is just interesting to talk to. Lynn asks her why she came back to the same people who told an old woman to throw herself off a cliff. Olivia says that she thinks she's just curious. After they all went home, she was feeling all kinds of things. She was scared, confused, and a bunch of other emotions that are hard to put into words. She skipped class on Monday to deal with them, and she just doesn't know what it was, but there was something that just clicked for her. All the talk about vibes and airwaves, it made sense. Not in any way that she can describe, but it just fits, like a puzzle. Now she wants to see what her puzzle looks like, and she's been so close to the pieces that she needs to take a step back. It's such a big puzzle that she's going to need a bird's eye view. In other words, she wants to fly. Lynn asks her what if she falls, but Olivia leans back and smiles and says that she won't. Lynn then excuses herself and says that she forgot to do something back at her apartment and the two part ways, with Olivia telling her, good airwaves. At the next meeting, Rainbow announces that Olivia would be graduating early due to her excellent performance the last few days. She'll be taking the final exam this weekend. Lynn knows that she shouldn't do anything, and she won't, but she's not sure. Olivia looked so happy, but she knows that she's going to jump to her death, although Lynn isn't sure about that either. Maybe Olivia will end up flying, and Lynn hopes that she does. Her life has been too short to end on the rocks at the bottom of that cliff. Some of the quotes from the meeting include, Studies have shown that dioxaline measurements after being shown a magic trick is higher than after witnessing a true miracle. And, They're doing God's work, those street magicians. God's work. I bet the big man could do a mean coin routine. In the final field report, Lynn states that Olivia actually flew, and she lists as many details as possible about everything that happened in case any of it contributes to triggering the phenomenon. 
Olivia arrived with Rainbow wearing jeans and a white t-shirt. Everyone gathered around the cliff edge she was going to jump off, just like last time. Olivia didn't act very different, but the others all seemed excited and a little jumpy. Olivia lined up and took her mark. Rainbow and the crowd began to chant one leap over and over, and Olivia closed her eyes. She then leapt from the cliff, although she didn't even fall, instead starting to go upwards. Everyone began to clap, and Rainbow declared that Olivia passed with an A-plus grade. Lynn doesn't know where she is now, and Foundation satellites and atmospheric imaging apparatuses have not yet located her, but she thinks that she's going to be okay, though. She's kind of happy for her, actually, and now that she thinks about it a little more, she felt a certain updraft when she jumped. She wonders if those were the good airwaves that Rainbow talks about. Following this field report, Lynn's mission was considered completed, and she was ordered to return to her post. After 12 hours without confirmation from Lynn about her return, an MTF was deployed to Dublin to recover her. The apartment that was rented for the mission was found unoccupied, with her belongings inside. On her computer, though, was an audio file titled Rainbow Interview 2, recorded on her phone. Background conversation can be heard, indicating that this was recorded in a public location. Lynn asks Rainbow why he let Olivia graduate early, to which Rainbow asks if she's feeling jumpy. Lynn says that she isn't, and she doesn't want to rush it, but she's just curious. Rainbow says in response that there's what she's looking for, but she's not sure she understands. Rainbow says that Olivia was a smart gal who caught on quick and had good airwaves. Lynn asks if there was something special about her, but Rainbow says that no one is really special, and she wasn't any more special than Lynn is. Lynn then asks if she could graduate then, but Rainbow doesn't know. He just gives the grades and asks if she thinks she can graduate. After a short pause, Lynn says that she thinks she understands now and thanks him. Another file on the computer, this time a video, was taken from a Foundation-distributed field camera that Lynn had been provided with. The video shows the edge of a cliff, with no one else around. The sky is dark, and cloud cover obscures the sky. Lynn says that she thinks she's figured it out, and she's going to see what's up there. It's part of her job, and she knows that she can do it, but she says that it's hard to explain. She doesn't know where she got the conviction from all of a sudden, but it's there now, and she doesn't want it to slip away from her. She takes a deep breath and prepares to run, stating one leap over and over under her breath. She then runs towards the edge and leaps, at which point she begins to float upwards while continuing to chant one leap. Her body flattens out and she spreads her arms, her laughter heard over the sound of wind against the microphone. After three minutes, she enters a cloud 
and asks herself if she can open her eyes now. Estimates of her speed predict that she should have left the cloud cover by this point, but the fog continues, and a light can be seen up ahead. She says that she can feel the updraft pushing her somewhere, and she thinks she's flying but doesn't want to look. As she nears the light, a silhouette can be seen against it, its features indistinguishable. She then hears Olivia's voice calling out to her, and the two state good airwaves to each other before Olivia reaches her hand out for Lynn to grab. She pulls Lynn in towards her, and Lynn remarks that her hands feel cold. Olivia responds that she's vibing out, and it looks like Lynn found her wings. Lynn says that she's still having a hard time wrapping her head around it all. The two of them hover in the air, and Lynn says that she has so much she wants to say. She can't believe that Olivia is here as well, as she was worried that it'd just be her and the clouds. She says that it's almost like a dream, and she never wants to wake up. They can even follow through on their weekly coffees. Olivia seems to have forgotten about this, however, but says that it just slipped her mind. Lynn then asks if she is actually Olivia, and then opens her eyes, and remarks that she doesn't look like Olivia. The video ends here, and researcher Lynn's body was found impaled upon the rocks at the bottom of the cliffs. Attempts to locate Rainbow or any other members mentioned in her previous reports have been unsuccessful. Containment of all individuals associated with One Leap is considered a level 4 priority. So, Lynn managed to actually activate the phenomenon, which we know to be true based on the camera footage from her body cam showing her ascending into the sky. While the Foundation initially thought the anomaly to be just a slowing down of gravity, it turns out that the full effect, if done correctly, causes the individual to ascend into a higher dimension. Here, Lin met some sort of entity, which the camera couldn't make out due to the light behind it. She assumed that it was Olivia, a fact that the entity seemingly picked up on and continued to play along with. It seems that this whole phenomenon is powered in part by the individual's conviction, their belief that they will fly upwards instead of crashing down against the rocks. Lynn's conviction brought her up to meet the entity, but it faltered when she opened her eyes and saw that it wasn't actually Olivia. Thus, she fell, dying at the base of the cliffs. There are plenty of questions, though such as who the entity is, where exactly did Olivia go, who is Rainbow and how did he learn about this anomaly, why doesn't Rainbow take the final exam, and how did Lynn's camera footage end up back on her computer. Rainbow is certainly a curious individual, and there's obviously more to these people becoming willing to throw themselves from a cliff than just his odd words about bonds and good airwaves. As it is, the small scale of these events keeps it from being especially dangerous, but as we've seen, anomalies that compel people to thoughtlessly risk their lives can easily run out of control. 
Believing in a higher purpose is one thing, but being impaled by sharp rocks if you don't believe hard enough is another.